explain the Megillah of Ruth. I apologize, I can't raise my voice. And uh, in most schools around the world, they lay it publicly on the second day of, of Yom Tif. In Lubavitch, we don't. But we do say the Megillah, the night of Shavuos, when we say Tikkun. There's a big book that we spend the night of Shavuos saying the words, reading the words. And uh, <clears throat> most of Tanakh, we read just a couple psukim from each book. But when it comes to Rus, we read the whole thing. So even in Lubavitch, we read Rus, but not publicly, rather privately, each one to themselves. What is the connection and the link between the story of Rus and the Yom Tov of Shavuos? There are many, there are many. Famously, David HaMelech passes away on Shavuos. People always ask, which day of Shavuos did he pass away? The first or the second? And the answer is, he lived in Eretz Yisrael, there's only one day. So... The Tysus brings a tradition, he was also born on Shavuos. And in the end of Rus, Rus is not a very long book, but at the end, it speaks about David HaMelech's lineage. Going all the way from uh, the link from, from Yehuda to David HaMelech, that's how the book of Rus climaxes at the end. And therefore, it's befitting to read it on Shavuos because it's David HaMelech's birthday and the day he passed away. There's much more to it. There's a medrash known as Medrash Lekach Toiv. Medrash Lekach Toiv was written about a thousand years ago. It's also known as Psikta Zutrasa, the small Psikta. And in it, it says the following. Why do we read Rus on Shavuos? So it's already an old meaning going back a long, long time. <clears throat> Why do we do it? And he says... Because the story of Rus is all about the kindness that Rus showed to her mother-in-law. And the Torah is all about kindness. As it says in Mishlei, Torah's chesed al-lashoyna. Right, we say in Eishas Chayil. The Torah's chesed al-lashoyna. The woman has the Torah of kindness on her tongue. Torah is called kindness. Mm-hmm. And the story of Rus is all about kindness. The Altareb in his Shulchan Aruch says, you know why we read Rus? Because Rus teaches us that in order to embrace Yiddishkeit, it can be challenging, it could be tough, there could be obstacles, but that's the ultimate way to acquire Judaism, like Rus did, was giving up all of the pleasures she had in life, and it was tough and difficult. Torah is acquired through stripping oneself of the enjoyments of this world. And because Shavuos is the day we got the Torah, it's a very important message to contemplate about. And that's why we read Rus. Okay, so there's many reasons why we read Rus on Shavuos. The story of Rus takes place, we don't know exactly when, sometime during the Shoftim. Rus just begins, It happened during the time that the Shoftim were judging which narrows it down to a couple hundred years after the Jews entered Eretz Yisrael and after Yeshua passes away he was succeeded by this Kenim, the, the elders, a group of elders and when they passed on there began a Tkufa period known as the Shoift and the Judges not kings but judges and it went for a couple hundred years until uh, Shmuel was the last Shoifet and even before he passed away he anoints Shoal to be a king 
And that happens towards the end of Shmuel's life. So there's a couple hundred years of shoftim. You have the famous Shimshin was a shoftim, a judge, etc. <clears throat> and during that time period, the story of Rus takes place. And just to know a drop about the story, what's, what's relevant for our discussion, there was a fellow known as Nachshon ben Aminadov, the famous Nachshon who jumps into the Sea of Reed, the Yamsuf, when the Jews exit Egypt. Nachshon, the son of Aminadov, had four sons, lived a long life. One's name was Elimelech. And he is the, the person that the story of Rus begins with, a very wealthy man. And he's one of the sons of Nachshon. He has a brother who we don't know his name. He's just known as the father of Naomi, who is Elimelech's wife. So Elimelech marries his niece, his brother's daughter. Who's his brother? The fa- his, his father-in-law, the father of Naomi. Another brother, his name is Toiv, the good guy. And another brother's name was Salmon, or Salma. And he was the father of a fellow named Boyaz, who was this, one of the stars in the Rus story as well. So there were four brothers, Elimelech, Naomi's father. And again, Elimelech had married Naomi. And then there was a brother, Toiv, also known as Ploini Almoini, that guy. And then there's Boyaz's father, Salmon. There's a horrible hunger in Eretz Yisrael. The poor men are knocking on Elimelech's door, making him crazy. He says, I'm out of here. He moves east of Eretz Yisrael, Transjordan, across the Yardin, to Moyav. And with his wife, Naomi, and his two sons, Machlon and Kilion. And Machlon and Kilion take for themselves wives, princesses, from uh, the Moyavi royal family. Rus and Arpa. Rus and Arpa. They were both princesses in Moyav. Unfortunately, Elimelech passes away, Machloin and Kilian pass away, and Naomi thinks to herself, listen, we came to this foreign land, I lost everything. I lost my husband, I lost my two sons, I'm going back to Eretz Yisrael. And she persuades her daughters not to, daughters-in-law not to join her. Why would you come with me to Eretz Yisrael? You can, re- yeah, return back to your homes, be the princesses you could have been. And the they push... So there's a discussion, yeah, we're going to assume for tonight that they had converted, yes. That they had converted. Yeah, in front of the court. Okay. The court may be Elimelech, Machlon and Kilian, the father and the two sons, or according to some, a court may be two people. So it could be Machlon and Kilian themselves made the conversion. So Elimelech was part of the court. It's possible, depends exactly when he passed away. But uh, To ensure that the women, that his... Kids we're gonna marry are Jewish. Why is that any any worse than Machlon and Kilian themselves for their own wives? If they run the court for themselves, right? They all get to run their own court. They basically make their own rules. Well, why do you assume that they didn't follow the prop? There's a there's a rule. You can convert somebody. If you're part of a bezdin and you convert a woman, you can't marry her. Yeah, but they had no oversight. They were great rabbis. Elimelech was the leader of the generation. Why are they in oversight? They, who's going to oversee them? They are, Elimelech was the greatest scholar, one of the greatest scholars. <clears throat> and 
Naomi, the mother-in-law, twi- tries to persuade her daughters-in-law not to join her. And Arpa agrees, and she goes back to uh, Mayev. But Rus follows her. And ultimately, Rus comes to Eretz but she's a pauper. She gave up the luxury of Mayev, all the, the beauty, the riches, the fame, and she's living as a pauper in Eretz and she's, she's uh, going into the fields and trying to get the, the, the handouts, the gifts to the poor, the matna saniyim, the gifts to the poor that the farmers are instructed to give in Israel, the corners of the field, the peya, and the, the different uh, gifts that every farmer had to give to the poor. And that's what Rus lives off. Ultimately, she gets the attention of Boyaz. Now, Boyaz is the, is the, the first cousin of her husband. Machlon and Kilian and Boyaz were first cousins, because Machlon and Kilian's father, Elimelech, and Boyaz's father, Salman, were brothers. And Boyaz is interested in marrying Rus, but he tells her that there's someone who has precedence before me. I have an uncle, who's an uncle to your husband, Machlon, and uh, he has the right to marry you before me. And Boyaz offers him the right. He refuses. So Boyaz marries Rus himself. What? Ploini Almoini. The toy, the war toy. We're going to see, we're going to learn about it. And this is just to go through the story. Ultimately, Boyaz marries Rus. And uh, he's with her one night, then he dies. But she conceived. And she gives birth to a child by the name of Oyved, who had a son, Yishai who had a son, David HaMelech. Okay, now that we've done that, we can begin our, begin our discussion. Now, our discussion actually doesn't... Cir- the, our beginning does not circle around the story of Rus. It goes a couple generations later to the times of David. But you're going to see in Ritz Hashem how everything joins together. It's fascinating stuff. And uh, we begin. So number one, both of these paragraphs are Gemara and Yavamas. It looks a little long, but every word here is of great necessity to understand. It's a story. It's a story, but with major halachic implications. And the Gemara is, refer- is going on a certain halacha. There's a halacha. It's a pasuk in Pashas Kiseitzei. Hashem says, anyone from the nations of Amon or Moyov, anyone from those nations cannot marry into the congregation of the Lord. What that means is, Lloyd, Avram's nephew, had relations with both of his daughters, and his two daughters gave birth to boys. The older daughter gave birth to Moyav, and the younger daughter gave birth to Amon, as is recorded in the Chumash and Parshish Vayera. And two nations emerge. The Yidin were in the desert for 40 years. At the end of the 40th year, when they want to enter Eretz Yisrael, they bypass the borders of Ammon and Moiv, and the Yidin were nomads that had been walking in the desert. They were hot, they were thirsty, tired, and hungry, and their cousins didn't even come out to offer some bread and water. The families, the nations of Ammon and Moiv did not offer any hospitality. <clears throat> and therefore God says, they don't belong in the Jewish nation. That doesn't mean they can't convert. They can convert, and they will be complete Jews, bar one factor. They can't marry a regular Jewess. They can marry other converts. They can't marry into the regular fold. 
not them, not their progeny for generations, forever, forever. As the Apostle says, no one from Amoin or Moyev can ever marry a regular Jewish woman. Okay? <clears throat> Wait, I have a question. Is it because yeah. of their behavior or the product yes. of inbreeding? It's the, the, in Patrick's Kisaitz, it says because of the behavior. Yeah. So the inbreeding wasn't a problem. Actually, the Gemara in one place says that the inbreeding, the girls really had proper intentions. It was right after the destruction of Stoim and the cities. They thought the world was over. And it was just like, you know, just like Cain married his sister way back when to have children. Anyhow, so we begin. And also, the halach is for a Gentile, the Rambam Paskin, the Gentile can, um, can have relations with his daughter. It's a debate in Gemara Sanhedrin, but that is the halacha. Okay, we go number one. Where do we know this? Where do we know what? The Mishnah says, this, that, no one from Ammon and Moev could marry a regular woman. It's only the men. But the women, the women from Ammon, if they convert, or the women of Moev, no problem. It's only the men. So if a man from Moiv would convert, become a Jew, and marry, someone is allowed to marry, marry another convert, the kids still have the Moiv gene, and the kids forever, they cannot marry into the fold. But if it's a woman from Moiv who converts, not a problem, not a problem. Fine. So says the how do I know this? So Om Rabbi Yechelen says, Rabbi Yechelen, you got to know the following story. We're in number one in the top paragraph, right? As it, the Amar Kra, the Pasuk says, David HaMelech goes to fight Goliath. Goliath, from the camp of the Plishtim, the Philistines, there was a war between the Jews, led by Shaul HaMelech against the Plishtim. Goliath was a giant from the Plishtim, and he said, you know, instead of waging a war, let's do one-on-one battle. Let somebody come and fight me. If I win... That's it, the Plishtim take over. If you win, then the Jews take over. Of course, no one from the Jewish camp wanted to take on Goliath um, head to head. Until David HaMelech came, he wasn't even in the war before. He was sent by his father to check up on his brothers. And uh, he's, he's incensed. He wants to fight Goliath. So Shaul gives him his armor. The Chiroi Shaul as David, when Shaul sees David go with the armor... And he's a slingshot, right? To go greet the Plishti. Omar Shol turns El Avner to Avner. Sar Hatsova the general. Avner was Shol's general. And Shol tells Avner, Ben Mizehanar Avner. Avner, who is this kid? Who's, who's, who's this kid's father? Vayoymer Avner. Avner responds. This is a pasuk in Shmuel. I swear by your life, I don't know. So the Gemara asks one, Shaul didn't know who he was. Shaul, by that point, knew very well who David was because before then, Shaul had suffered some severe melancholy and David would come and play his harp by Shaul. And Shaul had actually appointed David, it says, he loved him a lot. And David became the, the armor carrier of Shaul. And that was before this story. So what's going on? Ella says the Gemara rather like this. Avua Kamashal. Shaul knows who David is. He wants to know who's David's father. 
So the Gemara asks, Va'aviv lo yodla, he didn't know. Va'aksiv, there's another pasuk. Va'ish bimei shol zaken ba ba'anashim. This refers to Yishai, David's father. That in the life of Shaul, Yishai was already old. Ba ba'anashim, he was world famous. Everyone knew about him. And Omar Rav, and some say, Rabbi Abba said, this is Yishai, Avi David, the father of David. Shenichnes buchlusa v'yotze buchlusa. Whenever he went in, he went in with a big crowd. When he would leave, he would leave with a big crowd. He was world famous. So Shaul definitely knew who David was and who David's father was. So what was he asking his general Avner when David goes to fight Goliath? What was Shaul's question? Who is this kid? He knew everything about him. Says the Moraharchi Karmah, this is what he meant. Shaul, Shaul meant like this. <clears throat> I know David's family comes from Yehuda, but Yehuda had a few kids. He had a son, Peretz. And he had a son, Zorach. Which line does David come from? Imi Peretz Asi. If he comes from Peretz, Imi Zerach Asi, does he come from Zerach? You heard that two kids? <clears throat> he also had another kid, he had uh, Shayla. But Imi Peretz Asi, if David comes from the line of Peretz, Malkahav is going to be a king. Hold, we're going to see what was it that alarmed Shaul about David's future. Was the Gemara will point out. But you know why Yehuda's son Peretz was called Peretz? Hamelech Peretz Lasas Derech. A Melech can break Peretz. He can break through the borders, the barriers, a person's fence of your field in order for the king to make his road. Ain Mamchin and no one can protest. So the line of Peretz represents the power of kings. Imizerech Asif David comes from Zerach, Yehuda's other kid. Chashiva ba'amahav, he'll just be an important man, but not a king. So Mara says, my time ma'amalei shol alei. Why did Shaul say this? What did Shaul see in David that made the alarm bells go off in Shaul? Dixiv, because vayal b'shol is David madov. Shaul gave David his armor. Madov refers to clothes, but madov also means measurements. Uniform, right? But also midah is measurements. It's specifically when the uniform... He's like tailor-made. It's a perfect fit. Kimidosa, it fit David. The problem is Shaul was a head taller than David. He was a head. Shaul, you know, the, the, the height of the populace reached the shoulders of Shaul. For Shaul was taller than David. And yet Shaul's armor miraculously fit David like a glove. So Shaul realized that the miracle happened. It must be that this man is destined for greatness. What type of greatness? It depends from which line of Yehuda he comes. If he comes from the son Zerach, well, he won't be a king. He'll be a prominent uh, individual. If he comes from Peretz, he's going to be a king. That means he's going to overthrow my position. So that's why Shaul was nervous. Our good friend Doyeg, who was actually one of the chief advisors of Shaul, and he was the head of the Sanhedrin at the time. He was one of the greatest scholars of the generation. And Doig was known as an antagonist against uh, King David. Already at this point? Yeah, yeah. He tells Shaul, Ad Sha'atomashilov. The Arizal says Doig was a Gilgul of Dosan. And just like Dosan was constantly harassing Moshe, so to Doig's harassing David. And Achitoifel was a Gilgul of Aviram. That's what the Arizal says. But either way, Doig Adoimi says, Ad Sha'atomashilov. You're asking if he's hogan to be a king? Ah, I have a much bigger question. 
ask if Dov is even allowed to marry a Jewish girl. Sha'ala love if his Roy love Bakal can marry a Jewish girl. My time of why the Kaasi comes Midus Hamayavia. Doyek says, Don't you know David's lineage? David's father, Yishai. Yishai's father is Ovid. Ovid has two parents, Boyas and Rus. Rus comes from Mayev. She converted fine, but even a convert from Mayev, Doyek held it doesn't matter the males or the females. It doesn't make a difference. And therefore, if a convert from Mayev marries a regular Jewish person, the blemish travels to the child. And from that child to that child. So therefore, David has Moyavi blood. Now he can't marry a Jewish woman. So Avner Avner tells Doig, what are you talking about? Tanina, everybody knows the teaching. When the Torah says Amoini and Moyavi, it means the males. Amoini is masculine. Not the Amoinis, Moyavi, not Moyavis. So Avner said, everybody knows only the men. Says Doig, what are you talking about? The Torah says, you're not allowed to marry a mamzer. It's only for a Jewish woman not to marry a mamzer? No, a Jewish man can't marry a female mamzer either. Mamzer v'loi mamzeres? No one ever heard of that. What do you see from there, says Doyeg? Although the Torah is written in masculine, it refers to both. Says Avner, bad, bad proof, bad proof. Mamzer is not the name of a person. It's a description. Mumzer. Mamzer is two words. Mumzer. It means if the child has a blemish that came because the parents weren't supposed to marry each other. A mamzer can happen if somebody, if a woman commits adultery and has a kid with someone else while she's married, or if um, a man and woman that uh, are, are forbidden to live with each other by pain of chorus, a man and his sister, a man and his aunt, a mother-in-law, a daughter-in-law, etc., etc., then the kid's a mamzer. It's a mum, the kid has a blemish, which is a result of the strangeness between the parents. That's what mamzer mean. So it's not about masculine or feminine. So Doyek says, all right, Mitzri, if someone converts from the Egyptians, there's a rule, <clears throat> only their grandchildren can marry into the fold. Are you going to say the same thing? Veloy Mitzris? Are you going to say the same thing? Doyek says. Now the funny thing is Rabbi Shimon actually holds here. Rabbi Shimon Bayechai says like this, if Amun and Moy of the men are forbidden forever, but the women are allowed right away. So a convert from Egypt who the men are allowed in the third generation, it's more lenient for sure the women are allowed right away. But Allah doesn't follow up Shimon. So Doyek says, are you going to say only the men of Egyptians and not the, the women? It includes both. What do you see from there? When the Torah says a masculine word, it doesn't mean to exclude women. It includes men and women. Sa'avna so says, you're right. I have a different reason. Shiny hocha here is different. The Mefarish time of the crop. The Pasuk says why someone from Ammon and Moyev who converts can't marry in. Why? It's a Pasuk in Pashas Kisei. Because they didn't offer you bread and water. So says Avner, who's the Abishter upset at? The, who didn't offer food? The women? The women stay at home. It's the men. They should have walked out and offered it to their cousins. Right. The women aren't to be blamed. Darker shall ish the men. Because again, the Jewish people didn't even enter the border of Ammon and Moiv. They stood on the outskirts. So you expect the women from Ammon and Moiv to leave their tents and travel all the way to the border now. Loy darker shall ish It's not the path of the woman. 
That's Avner's defense. Doig replies back, not true. The men should go to the men, the movement to the women. The women should have gone to the women. Ishtik, Avner was silent. Doig, Doig was winning the argument. Not just that, Miyad right away. This goes back to the narrative in Sefer Shmuel. The Melech says, Sha'al Ato ben Mizeho Elam. He says, Go ask, who is this lad? Says the Gemara, Hosam Korile in our first show calls David a lad. Hocha Korile Elam, then he calls him an Elam. Why did he change? It's two ways of saying lad, but why did he change the terminology? Hochi Karmale. Shoals telling Do- uh, Avner, You've forgotten the law. Say, we shall go to the base magician and find out. He went and he asked the greatest sages. Avner asked, What's the deal with the women of Moyev? Can they marry into the fold or not? So they said, Of course they can. Everyone knows. Uh, just like Avner himself off the bat told Doyeg, the Sanhedrin tells Avner as well, Amoyni, the men, not the women, Moyavi, not the women. So now we're in the next part. So actual Doya came in and he asked the Sanhedrin all of his questions. Ishtiku. Everyone was silent. The rabbis were about to pronounce that David HaMelech could not marry a Jewish woman. Boy they were about to announce. Miyad, right away, someone comes in. David HaMelech has a brother-in-law by the name of Yeser. David had a sister, Avigail. He also had a wife, Avigail. His sister, Avigail, married a guy by the name of Yeser. And says the Gemara, we're in, we're in the, the thin section of number one, the second line. Amosa ben Ish Ushma Yisra HaYisraeli. There was a guy called Amosa. Amosa is David's nephew. Amosa was the son of David's sister, Avigail, and her husband, Yisra, or Yeser. In one pasuk, he calls him Yisro HaYisraeli, the Jew. Asher Boel Avigail, he lived with Avigail, Bas Nachash, the daughter of Nachash. Nachash refers to Yishai. Because Yishai never sinned and he shouldn't have died, except for the fact that the snake brought death upon humanity. Didn't he go up, one of the seven? No, no, he passed away. He passed away. Uksiv, David had a kid, Kilov, who's also one. No, he He died, but he never sinned. <clears throat> but it says elsewhere, yes, sir, the Yishmaeli. So, oh my brother, what's going on? Was David's brother-in-law a Jew or was he a, an Arab, a Yishmaeli that converted? Says Rav, no, he was Jewish. Malamed shechagar charbiki Yes, sir, girded himself with a sword like an Arab. He ran into that base medrash where the rabbis were announced about the Paschal like Doyeg. And they're about to say that David can't marry to the fold because he comes from Rus. And the issue of Moyev is, is equal to men and women. Yisra walks in with the sword like a Yishmaeli. Now, by the way, since when the Arabs wear swords? It's Esau, the Eden. Esau was benched by his father Yitzchak. You should live with your sword. So the Benishchai says, Esau, they have long, the Romans, big swords. The Arabs have daggers. Daggers. Yisra would never have been able to enter the Beis Medrash with a long sword. But he came like an Arab, he had a small dagger, you know, a small machete he was hiding. That's how he was able to sneak it into the Beis Medrash. The armor, he said, whoever doesn't hear this halacha will be stabbed by the sword. <clears throat> and he says, I receive from the Bezin of Shmuel 
Amoyni v'loy amoynis, the men, not the women. Mayavi v'loy men, not the women. And that ended the story. Nobody wanted to argue with Yeshua because nobody wanted to feel the sharpness of that sword. Let's just finish the Gemara. Frek the Gemara, Mime Himen, is Yeshua believed? He's married to David's sister. Yeshua has invested interest. How could Yeshua come and say, I have a tradition from Shmuel, as if you're going to trust him? He's biased. Of course he wants to say there's no problem for the women of Mayav. Because if there is, then he, can't, he has to divorce his wife. That teaches the halacha. If a Talmud Chacham gives a psak, and then, you know, a month later a story arises, and it affects him, his halacha will be accepted. But if first the issue arises, and it affects him, and then he throws out this very convenient halacha, and we don't listen to him, similar to what you were saying before about the Bezim. So how could you trust him? Says the Gemara, Shani, Shmuel's alive. Shmuel and his Bezim's alive. So he's not going to make it up. You could uh, verify, it. verify it. So what did Yeser say? He stuck his sword. He came with his sword. So whoever doesn't listen is going to feel the wrath of this sword. But I'm sorry, I'm just a little bit hoarse. Still from uh, I don't know what that fire did over there. What did Yeser bring to the table? Yeser said the same thing that Avner said to Doig in the beginning of the discussion. The same thing that the court told Avner when he walked in. Everyone said, it's well known. Amoyni and not Amoynis. Mayavi masculine, not the woman. But Doig knocked that all off. And Avner accepted Doig's arguments. So did the Bezdin. So what did Yeser add when he came in? You know why the, you know why the argument stopped? The sword stopped the argument. You know, what type of way is that to settle a debate? So that's a big issue we're going to deal with. It says the Gemara, Mikol Mokam Kasha. What about Doyeg Shaila? Hashem has an issue with Amun and Moiv that they didn't bring food and water. The men should have come to the men, the women to the women. So they both should be prohibited. Why would it be the men? In other words, now we're saying, fine. The, the case was... Was, was settled, the matter is laid to rest. For some reason, it's only the men, not the women. But the question is, why? If God's um, persistence to avoid those nations is because of their lack of compassion, both the men and women are guilty. Says the Gemara, Hacha in Bavl they said like this, Kol The glory and beauty of a woman is to be indoors, not to show herself on the street. So therefore, they weren't expected to go out. Now you're all going to ask, what? If you know Chumash, you know the story, the daughters of Moyer, <coughs> upon the advice of Bilam, caused about 200,000 Jewish men to be killed. They enticed them into, uh, into uh, promiscuity. The same girls of Moyer. Apparently they had no problem with, you know, with the princess, as we say. They had no problem to entice the men into illicit relations. It must have been pretty good for the 200,000 guys. 24,000 died in the plague, and you know, about 170,000 were killed by Jewish courts. This was in the end, you know, in the 40th year, right, when they're about to go into Israel. Exactly. By the Jewish courts? Yeah. yeah. For, for the Chumash only clearly speaks about 24,000 in the plague, but the Gemara points out that there were 
the Chumash didn't want to speak openly about the horrible uh, <clears throat> the courts, the, the Kahana, catastrophe of 170,000. Uh... That's by the eagle. The three different types of deaths by the eagle. By the oh, eagle, there were uh, three Midian deaths. Also, there were the ones that had the, there were different levels of how it, how they got killed <clears throat> depending on what they did. Fine. Okay. Um, so what, what, what's the Gemara saying over here? As if the Mayavite women can say, you can't expect us to go and give, and give the food to the Jewish women. We're stay-at-home moms. They, you know, they brought 200,000 Jews. Their blood was on their head. So the Marashal learns shots like this. The Jewish women stayed in their tents. The Jewish women didn't go to the border and ask for bread and water. Therefore, the Moavite women weren't expected to give anything because the Jewish women weren't there asking. That's the Pshat of the Gemara. They Can, were upset for the women going after <laughs> their men. That's why. What's the time frame between the, Not necessarily the Torah right. and this story? This story, the, the, after the Jews come into Israel, it's about 400 years later. This story, about 400 years. <clears throat> Fine, we continue. Says the Gemara, B'marav, I mean, Israel, they said, and some say, Rabbi Yitzchak, Omar Krav, Vayoymru Eilov, Aye Soro Ishtecha. When the Malachim asked Avram in Parshish Vayera, where's your wife Sora? What did Avram say? She's in the tent. What do you see from there? Mm. Women belong in the tent. By the way, the Chidushe Harim famously says, when the Malachim came, in the beginning of Vayera, three Malachim came. One of them came to tell Sora the news she's going to have a child. One Michael. One Malach came to destroy Stoim, Gavriel. One Malach came to heal Avram, Raphael. And then someone had to go save Lot, a fourth mission. Which Malach had that mission? It's a debate between the Gemara and the Medrashaba, which Malach. But it's interesting how right away the Malachim. They ask Avram, where's Sora? And Avram says she's in the tent. It's almost like they wanted Avram to give that answer. You know why? So the Chidush Adim says, why was Lloyd saved from Stoim? Lloyd had many, uh, <clears throat> Lloyd did not have a, a great record. He had some mitzvahs, but Lloyd wasn't such a righteous man. You know why he was saved? Because David Amelach comes from him. Because Lloyd's, Moyov is Lloyd's grandson. It was because David's going to come from him. The problem is, who said David's able to be a king? Maybe David won't even be able to marry a Jewish woman like Doeg. What's the reason that David could be kosher? Because the issue of Moyev is the men and not the, and not the women. What's that based on? Based on the fact that women are expected to be at home. So the Malachim, when they came to visit Avram, they asked, where's Sarah? In order that Avram should establish, should say she's in the tent. That establishes the rule, women are not expected to go out, which means that in the future, the women of Moyev, there's no claim against them. And therefore, David's kosher to be a king. Now Lloyd has reason to be saved. It was just in order to set that whole thing into motion. Can now, you use that argument where it says that Avram says that Sarah is his sister twice? Yeah. In the future, where, where you have this, this kind of relationship where he marries a sister, or marries the uncle or something. Who marries the oh. sister in the future? Well, he's saying because Avram set a precedent saying that his wife is meant to be in the tent. Yeah. Why did he not set the precedent that you can marry your sister? He was lying well, he did say that it's his sister. 
You say, why didn't that create the halacha? Because God said you can't marry your sister. Sorry? God said you can't marry your sister. I'm not sure what the question is. You want to know? Okay. All right. Fine. Okay. 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 So the halacha. We're going to ask four questions, okay? And we're going to see an incredible answer. Question number one is, what happened over here? Doig is fighting that the issue from Moyev is men and women equal. Avner, the general of Shoal, quoted, there's a tradition, Amoyni is masculine, doesn't refer to the women. Doig threw that away. It says Mitzri means the women, right? Avner said, yeah, but the reason of the lack of hospitality doesn't apply to the women. Doig said that it did. And, he, and after Taka gave in, they went to the base Medish, all the rabbis agreed with Doig until David's brother-in-law comes in, you know, with a sword, and he says, the buck stops over here, not another word about this. I heard from Shmuel, Amoni is masculine, excludes the women. What's he quoting Shmuel for? Everybody knew this teaching. The first thing Avner told Doig was, everybody knows, Amoini v'loy Amoinis, Mayavi, and not the Mayavis. Coming with the Makar. What's the Makar? Shmuel and Hezbeistin. Doig says, not true, Mitzri and not Mitzris. What do you mean a Makar? Avner said, everybody knows. It's, it's, it's halach that everybody knew. The Sanhedrin knew it. Why aren't the Sanhedrin a Makar? Doig could argue, all the Chacham, but not Shmuel. Why not? No, there's no such thing. The same generation. Yeah, Shmuel was alive then. Shmuel was alive then. When Avner came into the Sanhedrin, they all told Avner, everybody knows, Moyavi, and not the Moyavis. But Doya came and he had his questions, and therefore they fell off that teaching. What happened when Yeser came in and he quoted it in the name of Shmuel? Everybody heard of it. And yet Doya knocked everybody off. What, 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 what happened to him? How does it make any sense? That's question number one. Join me in number two. So in the story of Rus, <clears throat> again, Boyaz gets the attention of this beautiful woman, Rus, who was so tzniistic, and uh, he finds uh-huh. out that she's his first cousin. She had been married to Machloin, who was the first cousin of Boyaz. And Boyaz tells her, I'd love to marry you, but there's someone who has precedence, my uncle which is your husband's uncle as well. Again, Boyez's father was Salmon. He had a brother known as Elimelech, who was the father of Machlein. There was another brother, Toiv, a.k.a. Ploini Almoini. And the fourth brother was Naomi's father. Fine. <clears throat> so Boyez asks his uncle, Ploini Almoini, you have first rights. Would you like to marry Rus, your niece? And look what he says in number two. The Redeemer says, I can't do it. I may destroy my, my portion. You do it. I can't do it. What's he talking about? Look at Rashi underneath. This is Rashi number three. On Rus. I might destroy Nachalasi. Zari, my children. Nachla can mean a portion of land. It can also mean children. Says Rash, you know what he was concerned about? Losses pegam bizarri. I don't want to hurt I want to hurt my kids. Everyone knew that it's a possible say. A convert from Amon and Moiv can't marry in. 
And this guy, Boyaz's uncle, Pliny Amoni, made a mistake. Vitor, he made a mistake. He didn't know that Amoni and not the Amoinis. He thought it was men and women, right. like Dayag. So why would he tell his, uh, his son to do it? His he's nephew, his nephew, his nephew, his nephew, his nephew, his nephew right. So, uh, so he's saying, I-, I can't marry her. Why can't I marry her? Because I'm worried the issue is for the females as well. So what's going to be with my kids? But here's the, here's the alarm. What are you talking about his kids? Let him speak about himself. According to him, it's a biblical prohibition to marry the woman. Why is he saying I'm going to hurt my kids? For him, if he really believed the issue is for the men and women from Ammon and Moev, then this Rus was a biblical prohibition to him. Is it very simple? About his own kids that he already had? No, no, future kids. So he's single, never married. No, he no the he already no, he had. He was already married. He had kids. Yeah. We don't know about In his other wife. They could have more wives. Kids could be his wife right. had already passed away. We have no idea. Right. But uh, what, what's he talking? What's Rashi talking about? <clears throat> and it's not, not just Rashi's fault. Lachoy, the Pasuk says he was concerned about the next generation. What about himself? This is, there's a ha, difference. How does it make any sense? a sin and ruining your <clears throat> kids forever. If I cared, if he does it, his kids, his kids won't have committed a crime. No, but Who will tarnished. the kids marry? They're tarnished. But there's plenty they can marry any other convert. Ah. <laughs> What's he doing with kids for it? Every time he's with her, he's, he's eating treif. Every time he's with her, he's eating a pork sandwich. I mean, what, what's he jumping to the kids? You don't have to say Nakhavah sees kids. That's Rashi's own interpretation. That's the question on Rashi. <clears throat> okay, fine, fair enough. Okay, so this is question number two. <clears throat> Concerning this child, you've got to look at number four. Number four is a marsha. Reb Shmuel Adels. One of the great, great commentaries on Gemara. He passes away in the year 1631. So he was a while back in Poland, and he wrote a very, very important commentary on Gemara. The Baal Shem Tov once said, if we would know the holiness of the Marsha, we would travel to his gravesite and lick the sand from his caver. So we're going in the summer, Mr. <laughs> Shem, we're going to go straight to... Yeah, it's in Poland. <laughs> <isn't> it? <clears throat> Anyhow. So look at number four. V'yoysim is there, he says, in Sefer Rus, we're in number four, the top line. The goyal, the, rede- the potential redeemer, Heishevi tells his nephew Boyaz, I can marry Rus, I'm going to destroy my seed. Upirish Rashi Sham, says, I don't want to be pagan to stain my children, because it says, and he made a mistake, it's even the women. <clears throat> so Marshal says, I don't get it. First of all, Heyach came Boyaz. Boyaz was the shoifit in those times. Boyaz tells him, marry Rus. What was Boyaz saying? I know the pasuk in Kiseid say. Boyaz is saying, like Shmuel said, like Avner said, it's the men and not the women. And what does Boyaz's uncle say? I think you're wrong. How could he argue against the shoifit biyamav? V'huhi tira befanav. And Boyaz said he's allowed to do it. Boyaz was the head of the Sanhedrin. Hedging his bet. Because that's why it's not a sin for him every day. Okay, but what if the head of the Sanhedrin's wrong? <clears throat> His kids later. Oh, okay, are okay, be okay. We can speak. Yeah, yeah, so, first, so the Mashal wants to know how did he have the chutzpah? You know, it's like if the greatest rabbi of the generation says, you know, eat this, it's kosher. And you say, no, 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 it's not kosher. Well, how could he say such a thing? You know, you have to know your place. <clears throat> how could he say this? Look at the end of the fourth line. Gam kosher. He also asked our question. He was worried about his kids. 
Why wasn't he worried about the transgression itself? Every time he'll be intimate with her, it's like eating a pork sandwich. The Alkench, the Mashor says like this, Hanira, and he says a whopping thing, which is very difficult to understand. We, we have a conclusion in Yavamas. If Reuven, Reuven has a brother, Shimon, Reuven's married to Leah, Reuven passes away without kids. His wife has a mitzvah known as the Leveret marriage, Yibum, to marry the surviving brother. What if this brother and the woman are forbidden to live with each other? There's a, a loisase between the two. So he said, Biblically, they get married and they're intimate one time because the mitzvah of the leveret marriage will push away the negative transgression of them living with each other. But the rabbis don't allow it because. Because the second time you're intimate, there's already no positive command. You can only be intimate once. So we, the rabbis don't allow the first time, lest you come to a second time. Fine. The the said it could be in the time of Boyaz, that decree didn't yet exist. And it could be in those days, Boyaz, you know, was, was uh, before David HaMelech, etc. At that time, it could be they would still do the first beer, the first intimacy, because the mitzvah of the leveret marriage would be doicha the loisasa. And then what, they would get divorced? Yeah. Yeah. Just to do that. And, you know, hopefully she'll, you know, she'll conceive and have a child and the, the, and the deceased's legacy will continue. We're in the middle of the level here. That Yibum, although Yibum strictly is a brother-in-law, it can also be done by a relative. If a woman passes away, if her husband, let's say first cousin, marries her, it's a form of the leveret marriage, a form of yibum. Ah. Oh. So therefore he says like this. Pliny Almoni wasn't worried. He wasn't worried about being with her the first time around. Why? Because he's allowed to. Because the mitzvah of Yibum would push away the loisase. But if a kid's born, the kid's going to still be considered a mayavi. It's incredible what he says. Valkain I'll do one time. But he was worried, what's going to be with my kids? What's going to be with my kids? Because since the woman, the fact is, is a mayavi, and he thought it applies men and women equally... So then what's going to be with my kids are still going to be stained. I'm allowed to be with her the first time for one night because the leveret marriage mitzvah will push away the prohibition of being with a Moabite woman. But that ain't going to help the kids that are born from that union. If there's a child born, the child's going to have the stain of Moabite. But if this is the case, why wasn't Boyas concerned about that too? Oh. No, this law is saying it's only good the one time, but he knew his kids would be problematic. He thought Boyaz was no. allowing him to do a one-time one thing. One-time, but he, uh, Boyaz wasn't so he caring says, about his kids. No, no, so look what he says at the end. Look at number four, the end of the first part. Valkain Omar, he said, I don't want to destroy my kids. I already have kids from a kosher woman. Mm. So why would I go and marry her? 
I'm allowed to be with her one night because the leveret marriage mitzvah pushes away the prohibition of the woman. But if there's a kid born, the fact is the kid's going to have Moyavi stain on him. But Boyaz was not concerned for this. You know why? Because all of Boyaz's kids had already died, as the Gemara says in Baba Basra. <clears throat> why wasn't Boyaz worried for him and his kids? This is a Vizuai. All right, fine. So, oh, so what the Marshal is saying is a crazy thing. A crazy thing. The Marshal is saying, what was Pliny Almani thinking? One night I can be with her because the mitzvah of Yibam will push away the transgression of being with a Moavi woman. You know what the problem with that is? The mitzvah of Yibam is only a brother-in-law. An uncle or a cousin has no positive command of a leveret marriage. They have an idea of it. If they, they do, do it. it's a nice thing. Yeah. But it's not a mitzvah. How could the mashah seriously entertain such an idea that uh, there's actually a mitzvah being fulfilled every kid? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So our question returns. Our question returns. What does Rashi mean that Ploini Almoni wasn't concerned for himself? but his concern for his kids. The Masha's answer is very difficult. For like himself, he could do Yibum. There's no Yibum for an uncle. You have the idea of Yibum, but not the actual mitzvah, and therefore no way would that push away the negative command of living with a Moabite woman. So if he's concerned about his kids, he's got to be concerned about himself. So that's the second issue we have to <clears throat> analyze. Okay, third issue. When Yeser, when David's brother-in-law came into the base Medrash with a sword, he said, whoever doesn't accept this is going to die. And he said, I heard from Shmuel, it's the men, not the women. The Gemara had a Shiloh. Why do we trust him? He, you know, he gains from this halacha. He's married to David's sister. He has an invested interest. What was the answer? It's verifiable. Shmuel's alive. We can go ask Shmuel. But here's the problem. When Boyaz did this in the story of Rus, right? When Boyaz married Rus, the Gemara says in Ksuvas, he gathered 10 people and he announced the halacha. It's only the men from Moiv, not the women. And then he went and married Rus. Why don't we ask on Boyaz, how could he say the halacha? He has invested interest. Just like the Gemara attacks David's brother-in-law, Yeser. And the only answer for Yeser was, it's verifiable. Why don't we attack Boyaz in the story of Rus? <clears throat> Boyaz is the first one to marry. No, he gives the psak as his, you know, as he's preparing to marry her. <clears throat> so this is the child of the Chassam Sefer. Why don't we attack Boyaz? How did Boyaz get away with publicizing the halacha, the women from Moyev are okay? He's the first one historically we know that's about to marry a woman from Moyev. He has invested interest. There we had no problem. So concerning this Shiloh, Reb Reuven Margolis, Reuven Margolis <coughs> was an antagonist of Gershom Sholem, so he's, he's well known because of that. Who's he was a, <coughs> was a Kabbalistic historian in the previous generation. Reuven Margolis was a librarian. He lived in Tel Aviv. He was an incredible uh, genius in Torah. He knew every single safe in the library back to front. He wrote many, many svarim, many, many works. His knowledge was mamash second to none. <clears throat> the Rebbe actually has a letter to him 
that he's mastered all the parts of Torah, what about Chassidus Chabad? Because he learned Kabbalah and everything. But uh, anyhow, Reuven Margolis has a long article about this whole discussion, and he deals with this Shalad Chassam Sof, and he says he thinks he has a simple answer. Look at number five. Number five is the Pasuk in Rus. Bayaz Allah El Ashar. It's five psukim before the Pasuk in number two. Boyas went to the gate. The gate is where the Bezdim was uh, stationed. Vayeshev Shom. Boyas was sitting there. Vihine behold Hagoyal Ever. His uncle the Redeemer is passing by. Asher Dibre Boyas that Boyas had told Rus about. Vayoyme Boyas tells him, Feter, uncle, Suda Shva Poy, come here, Plaini Almaini. Vayasa Vayeshev and he came. And the Psukim continued that Boyas asked him, Nu, would you like to marry Rus, etc. Ruva Margolis points out, look over here. Boyas ran to the gate, Vayeshev Sham, and behold, the Goyal was passing by. It's almost like Boyas went quick to the gate in order to be there as his uncle was passing by in order to call him in and ask him. He says, you know why? Because Boyas knew he can't just marry Rus. He can't just... Proclaim a new halacha. By the way, it's only the men, not the women, when it serves him. So he ran to the court, and he calls his uncle in, and he proclaims the halacha then, for his uncle's sake. It's for his uncle's sake. And he offers it to his uncle. His uncle refuses, like we saw in the Pasuk in number two. Then the boy says, all right, if you don't want, I guess I'll go ahead. Says Ruben Margolis, that, that's the word. That's why the Pasuk number five is so <clears throat> exact. Boy is made sure to be there, and boom, his uncle was passing by. It was, it was a setup. He was taking a rest. It was a setup. Boy was he had wanted. no other choice. He right. couldn't. Uh... Anyhow, that's what Ruben Margolis. Fine, that's a simple answer. We're going to offer. <clears throat> the Chsam for himself gives an answer. He says it could be. Boy has said two dinim. The, both the nation of Amoin, it's only the men, not the women, and the nation of Moiv. He said, two halachas. He has no vested interest in the din about Amoin. So once we believe him about that, we believe him about both. But the Sofer says, he scratches his head, then what was the Gemara's attack on David's brother-in-law, Yeser? When Yeser came in with the knife, he also said both halachas. And yet the Gemara challenged him. Why do we trust him? He's a vested interest. And we only answered because his report from Shmuel is verifiable. We don't answer that since we believe him on half, we believe him on the other. So that answer is questionable. So we're going to offer another approach. That's the third issue. I'll cap up again on what they are when we finish the fourth. Turn the page, number six. This is the fourth issue. <clears throat> Hope my voice will hold out to the end. Maybe you'll be lucky and I'll... Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll lose it early and you guys will be lucky. <clears throat> number six is a Rambam. By the way, this whole discussion is a, is a well-known discussion, and uh, every shvuas in the many litvishes learn this sugya, because the breakthrough explana- explanation that we're going to offer was from a great, great litvisher Rosh Yeshiva of the previous generation, and we'll talk about him when we get there. Look at number six. <clears throat> number six is a statement from the Rambam. It seems to be an innocent statement. The Ketzad Dinon Amanumayev. What's the din about converts from Amon and Moev? By the Amon and Moev are just east of Eretz Yisrael, Transjordan. Says the Rambam, 
if someone converts, there they can convert. But Isuron, the prohibition to marry a regular Jewish woman, Isur Eilam is perpetual. Zucharim, the men, Veloyne Kavis, not the women. Right? Not like Doig, like Shmuel, like ultimately uh, the Mishnah says in Yavamas. Shenema, what's the Raya? It says, La Yavai Amoini Umayavi Bekal Hashem. And then he says, Hey Lamed Mem. Halacha there's a halacha going back to Mount Sinai <coughs> that Moses heard from God. What? <coughs> exactly. It's only the men. Who those are the ones to marry a Bas Yisrael. It's only the men. Even Ben Benoyat even if someone converts, his son, 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 son still has the Moyavi gene. But if it's a female, right away they can marry whoever they want, like all other nations. It seems to be an innocent Rambam, because you know the halacha is not like doyik. The halacha was like Shmuel said, like Yeshu said. It's the men that the issue is on, not the women. But the Rambam says halacha which means with a special din God told Moses on Mount Sinai. There was a great, great Torah genius that lived about 300 years ago, Rabbi Yoyer Chaim Bachrach. He was born in 1638, passes away 1702, lives in Germany, and in Mainz and Worms. And he, in his time, he was known to be an incredible mind. He was also a mathematician and an astronomer, everything. And uh, even Kabbalah, he writes about Kabbalah. <clears throat> that Kabbalah is the soul of the Torah, but the path to reach it is fraught with danger. Hadedach, the path to reach there is fraught with, with danger. If you misunderstand, you'll reach wrong conclusions. And it's, uh, <clears throat> In fact, famously, he said a story about himself that he was once giving a shir, and they were learning the translation of Davening. And they were learning, the, he and his Balabatim were learning the Pasuk in Tehillim that we say in Davening. Who can withstand the coldness of God? Right here in Miami, you can't understand, but if you spend a, you know, spend a winter in the. <clears throat> I used to live in the Pocono Mountains. And midwinter. Why? why yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here now. <clears throat> and in the midwinter, it would get to minus 30 Fahrenheit. That was the wind chill, was minus 30 Fahrenheit. The waterfall would freeze. A waterfall, the entire waterfall would freeze. One night I slept next to the oven. I had the oven on full blast and I was sleeping. I was almost in the oven. <clears throat> Anyhow, um, so he's learning this with his balabatim. And one of them asked, Rabbi, once we're learning the Siddur, I have a question. I got this new Siddur. This is in the late 1600s. And in it, it says something called L'shem yichud kudshu brichu To unite God and his shechina. What does two gods? God has two parts to him? What does this mean? So Rabbi Yor Chaim, he's known as the Chavas Yor, that's the name of his Sefer. He told him, this is, don't worry about it. It's, it's, <clears throat> he said, Rabbi, please tell me. So he says, no, no, that's not for regular people to say. That's for Kabbalists. He says, Rabbi, I'm not going to say it. Just tell me what it means. He says, 
I don't know, you gotta ask a real Kabbalist. He says, Rabbi, just translate the words. And he writes, I had to admit to him that I honestly don't know what it means. And I told him that I doubt if any Kabbalist today really knows what it means either. <clears throat> so he was skeptical, not because he had an issue with Kabbalah. He felt that true Kabbalah can only be studied by a true master. And if you don't have the true master, <clears throat> it can be uh, fraught with danger. <clears throat> he actually had a grandmother whose name was Chava who was known as an incredible scholar. And she, uh, she hel helped him, she took care of him, grow up as a kid. So he called his sefer Chavis Yoyer. I am, Ch Chava was his Baba, and his name was Yoyer. Chavis Yoyer, it's like a Yiddish, you know? Like, Chavis, I'm Chavis Yoyer, I'm the Yoyer that belongs to Chava. Anyhow, he wrote a sefer, right, exactly. He wrote a sefer. <clears throat> But the Chavisur, his, his Sefer Chavisur is not very big, but highly important. He has lots of halachic um, opinions which are used till this day. One of them is about, he gave a loophole of women saying Kaddish, a daughter saying Kaddish and Shul for her father. Mm. He did say that abortion, he holds, is not murder. It's just wasting seed. It's like Zerah Levatol, it's just it's the ultimate of wasting seed. Wasting seed is the issue that it's a waste of potential life, and the greatest potential life is when there's already a fetus. But he, you know, he's a lot more liberal than those that believe it's somewhat murder. He also no, it's just a. What year was this? He passed away in 1702. Oh, a while Born back. 16, a while back. 38. 38. 38. <clears throat> Anyhow, he was big stuff. He has, he has one letter, letter uh, 192, and it's a famous letter. Because in it, he took upon himself to go through the entire Shas and many, many commentaries and find all the halachas which are in the category of halacha l'meishim Sinai, things that God told Moses orally on Mount Sinai. And in his discussion, he quotes this Rambam that we saw in number six. And he says, I'm looking at this Rambam. He says, I didn't get it. The Rambam said this halacha l'meishim Sinai. God told Moses the men, not the women. Where did Amam get it from? He says, look in number one, the Gemara in Yuvamas. It just said that Shmuel said it's the men, not the women. That doesn't mean God whispered that to Moses on Mount Sinai. What's the Rambam talking about? And he says, more than that, according to the Rambam, it comes out that besides for Shmuel, no one knew about this. Right? Doig didn't know. Avner didn't know. Nobody knew. Shmuel, the one guy in the generation, and then the Rambam, right? Besides, the Rambam knows about it, but in the times of David, nobody knew. Not Shaul, not Avner, not Doig, not the whole Sanhedrin. One guy, Shmuel, knew. So he says it could be everybody knew. So what was Doig arguing about? Doig wasn't being rational. He hated David so much, he made a campaign even though it wasn't rational. He says maybe that's what it is, but he doesn't want to really say that. What? Why would the other rabbi go for it? Hey, don't right, ask that question. Right, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> no, no, they also. Right, no, no, no. Married the Marcos type of thing that you know if they say something. Could be they wanted to get right. It's a. So we have to answer that as well. I mean, how does the Rambam know this? <clears throat> so the four questions are number no, one. No, it wasn't married the Marcos yet. He wasn't a threat to Shaul yet. <clears throat> from a practical. The four questions. The four questions are like this. Well, why, why is it Meir B'machas against Daik? Daik is Shaul's uh, messenger. 
he'll, he'll rat on you to the king, and then the king comes, you know? That his question still stands even more. If that's the case, it's even stronger. The right is, right is right. Life in those days, apparently he did because David was still. Uh, well, David had been uh, anointed. Isn't that the question? Why the base of Migdash was destroyed because people didn't stand up and yeah. do the right thing when they should have? Out of fear. Point. Yeah, it had been right. privately. Okay, so just to wrap. So, what were the four issues? Number one, you have this major debate between, between Shaul and Avner and Doig. And the tradition everyone knew, Ammoni and not Ammonis, but it was thrown out of the window. Why, when Yeshua quotes it in the name of Shmuel, all of a sudden, all of a sudden it all stops. Question number two is why in the story of Rus, Pliny Ammoni is happy to marry Rus for himself, but is going to hurt his kids. Why hurt his kids? Because they'll have the Moyavi gene. If so, then he can't marry Rus himself. What's he talking about? The third issue is, just like when Yeser quotes from Shmuel, we attack him. We can't trust him. He has a vested interest. The Chsam Sefer asks, why don't we ask on Boyaz when Boyaz is marrying Rus? He also threw out this halacha. He had a vested interest. Why do we trust him? And the fourth child is, where does the Rambam get it from? That, yeah, <clears throat> Now, before we see the answer in number seven, there's just a fascinating thing over here. I'll tell you outside. <clears throat> David's father, Yishai, lived a very long life. Years, no? According to some right. As you get older, you get frumer. Mm-hmm. When Yishai got old enough, he thought to himself, wait a second. Yishai thought, maybe my Zayda Boyas was wrong. Number seven, and this is from the Rameh of Pano, one of the greatest cabinets. Menachem Azari of Pano. Yeah. <clears throat> so we, from his Sefer, Asura Mamoris. What year is again? The 16 also? 1548 to 1620. But the story that he quotes actually is even quoted by Rishonim in the 1300s. Baal Tebe quotes it in the Mimer. It's a fascinating story. Yishai thought to himself, maybe my Zayda was wrong. Maybe Boyaz was wrong. Maybe the issue is both the men and the women from Moyev. And therefore I am halachically a Moyevi. I can't marry my wife. So he told his wife, I'm not divorcing you, but, you know, different bedrooms, different homes. Adios. But he still wants to have kids. So Yishai, Yishai had a maidservant. What? Bad joke, sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Yishai had a maidservant. He went to a Goyisha woman that he had acquired as a maidservant. And he went over and turned said like this. <clears throat> I am freeing you on condition. Meaning like this. If my Zaydu was right, and the women from Moyev are perfectly fine, so therefore I'm fine, I come from Rus, it's fine. So then I'm freeing you and when you free your shifcha, your maidservant, she becomes a full-fledged uh, um, convert. And then I'll marry you, just you're a convert, I'm Yeshai, that's fine. But, if my Zayda was wrong, and that means I am a Moyavi, then I'm leaving you as a shifcha, as a maidservant. I'm allowed to marry you. What happens if you have a kid with your Goyesha maidservant? The so kid's not yours. The kid's considered line. a goyish. The kid's considered your goyish slave. And when it gets but free, then you free him. Free. He becomes a convert. Free of the stain. And he's no connection to you. No stain. So Yishai had a big chab. 
So he tells his maidservant, I'm freeing you on condition. If my Zayda was right and I'm fully kosher, then I'm freeing you. And you're a convert and that's it. You'll be my wife. Beautiful. But if my Zayda was wrong and I have a Moyavi stain on me, then I'm, you're going to remain my shifcha. And I'm allowed to marry you because anyone that can't marry into the fold can marry each other. So the Moyavi can marry the shifcha who's not really a Jew. Then the kids that we have will follow you. They'll be Goyesha servants. But me as the master, I could free them. And they'll become regular converts without any stain. That's what he wanted to do. That night, he's in the bedroom. And he expects his maidservant to be there. She couldn't bring herself to do it. He's got a wife on the side, though, right? Yeah, yeah, but very far on the side. Yeah, He had separated from her. The maidservant tells the mistress, the woman, that, you know, I can't do this. So they made up that when the room is dark, right, and already when they're no longer talking, they're going to do a switch. That night, Yishai's in the room. This is the story that Ahmed writes in a few places. That night, middle of the night, you know, after they stop talking, you know, they do a quick switch. Yishai has no idea. Yishai thinks he's with his maidservant. Unbeknownst to him, it's his wife. What happens? A few months later, his wife is, uh, has a belly. He's like, what? I never divorced you. Committed adultery? Everyone knew that Yishai and his wife had separated. And now she's carrying a baby. There's only one possibility. That she committed adultery. They wanted to kill her. But there was no proof. Uh, no one caught her in the act. But she was ostracized. The baby was born. The baby did not look like the brothers. The baby's hair was more red than the brothers. And everyone said, you see? You see? This kid has a different father. Now, you know why the kid looked different? Because uh, Torah is full of the idea that what the parents think at the time of, of uh, the union has an effect not just in the personality of the kid, but in the actual looks of the kid. Like the story of Yaakov with the, the sheep the in Parshish Vayetze. Yeah, it can have an effect. <clears throat> in fact, the Gemara says Rabbi Yochanan used to sit outside the, the mikveh. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan was a huge guy. The Gemara was very big. He had no beard. Long eyebrows. He couldn't see the women coming out of the mikveh. And his skin shone like the sun. A very interesting picture. People asked him, what are you doing here? Why are you sitting outside the women's mikveh? He said, I want the women lucky. to see me. So when they go home, they'll have an image of me in their mind, and that will positively affect the children they have. Yishai thought he was with his maidservant. She was a redhead. Therefore, it affected, to some degree, the color of the kid. So no one, everyone thought that this new kid, which was David, was a, a mamzer, outcast. For 28 years, David was an outcast. He was never with the brothers. Never with the brothers. Do you actually believe that story? It's recorded by people who are much smarter and greater than me. I, so. Okay, let me <clears> ask <throat> you a question. For sure. Yeah. What? For those of you that are married, you know exactly 
How your wife looks, smells, feels, tastes, all that stuff, right? <clears throat> it was back then. Okay. It doesn't matter back then. Everybody Listen, has be, a unique well, I was saying like unique features. Same thing with Yaakov his, and his wife and he knows yeah. what they Come on. Like, they have different bodies. They smell different. Their hair is different. They look different. He hadn't been with her for a long time. And even when they were together, how often were they together? But he's next to her every single day. No, she had the head. No. They had already separated for a while. A while doesn't mean you forget. Who said he had a lot of different wives? The Gemara says... I'm being a realist here. You're not being a realist. You're comparing him to your reality. Right. That's our reality today. You have to know what his reality was. The Gemara says that Rebbe Yezer, when he was with his wife, was one, two, three. One, two, three. As if in, out. That's all it was. Yeah, one wife, two wives, three wives. Good, good call. <laughs> I still want to know who were those women that could get 200,000 guys. That's what I want to know. It wasn't one woman, it was 200,000 women. That wasn't one He's woman. looking for the midnight women. Busy. <laughs> Are you actually thinking he doesn't know the difference? They, he doesn't those, know the difference. He didn't know the difference. They did it very quick. It was, it was very quick. They don't pay attention. They they didn't want it was only to have a child. It was very quick. He didn't. He was an old man. It was just to procreate. You're projecting. We often project our own reality onto others, and uh, you know, often it's east and west. It's like horse breeding. Wow. Unless I go that far. Anyhow, that's where he was. So by anyhow, but what happened was until. Shmuel was told by God to anoint a new king while Saul was alive. Shmuel was given a mission to go to Beis Lechem, to the house oh, of Yishai, and, and anoint the kids. Shmuel went there, and Yishai had all his kids lined up. Hashem tells Shmuel, not him, not him, not him. Shmuel tells Yishai, you must have another son. He says, yeah, there's a God, there's one other reason that he's outside, he's with the animals. Shmuel said, bring him in. They bring him in, Shmuel said, he's the one. David was 28. It was only at that time that the story unraveled. Yishai's wife kept it a secret for 28 years. She never wanted to reveal what happened. She didn't want to embarrass her husband. For 28 years, she was an outcast. Is that why Shaul said, who's his father? <laughs> well, that's actually not a bad question. It's like, uh, so that's like Rachel and What happened to the maidservant, that he had, the redhead, that he had the passion for? She wants to know about the redhead. <laughs> See where his well, mind is. He can't forget the redhead. By the way, <laughs> the, the, Ramemi, by, the Ramemi panel doesn't say clearly <laughs> about the redhead. The redhead, the redhead is an addition. Now, shh. So, so what you see from here is that even that, even David's father, was a bit unsure. Yishai was unsure yet he was. So this whole halacha was kind of never really clear. In fact, when Yeruvam ben Nevat broke away to make the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes, he broke away from the southern kingdom, which at the time was ruled by David HaMelech's grandson, Rechavam, the son of King Solomon. Yeruvam says, Look at the house of David. And the commentaries say, you know what Yeruvim was pointing at? Their whole house is suspect, because look at their ancestry. They come from Moyev, and there's a serious issue. <clears throat> so that just goes to show how far this issue went. But the answer to all of our questions is, is, is quite straightforward. It's the following. <clears throat> Number nine. 
Number nine is the Rambam in the laws of Mamrim. Towards the end of all the Rambam's halachas. What's Mamrim? Rebellers. Rebel, rebel, uh. rebel. And he speaks here about the authority of the rabbis. He starts in number nine. He says there are three parts of the oral law. Right? There's the written law, Chumash, Nevi'im, Ksuvim, Tanakh. Then there's the, there's three parts of the oral law. Echad varim shalom there's one thing which is tradition. In other words, when Moses stood on Mount Sinai, God gave him the explanations and details and descriptions of many of the mitzvahs. Right? In the written law, so many mitzvahs are so vague, there's no way to know how to fulfill them. God had to give a commentary. That's part of Torah Shabal Peh. The oral law passed down from Holy Moses to student to student. Then Echad des Dvarim Shalom do Mipidaitam. Every generation, the chief rabbis, when we used to have a Sanhedrin, a Supreme Court, they could explain the psukim based on what they thought was the true explanation. There's a way to, um, to make exegesis and to compare one possible to the other to try and undercover what the true meaning of the verse is. So it's the rabbis using their logic to explain what the Pasuk really means. So it's, it's, it's biblical, but it's part of the oral law. The third thing is when the Chachami make rules. They make a fence, a safeguard. What the time needs. If they make a, a custom, they make a decree, they make a takana. These are three types of the oral law. And every Jew is biblically commanded to follow the, the chief court in all these three accounts. Look at the second paragraph of number nine. Divrei Kabbalah, the first part, which is the traditions going back to Moses. There's never a debate. If you ever find the Machlokes, you could be sure that this is not something we have a tradition going back to Moses. Whatever they're the tradition of is across the board. Look at the last paragraph of number nine. What if the great court in Jerusalem, in the Holy Temple, is expounding the Psukim? This is the second part of the oral law. Again, the first part of the oral law is tradition from Moses. The second part is when they expound the verses. The third part, when they create their own customs or their own safeguards, their own precautions, etc. Says the Rambam, in the first part, there's never a debate. In the second part, which is how the, the Chachamim interpret the Psukim, every generation, you have to follow the court of that generation. Even if a hundred years ago the rabbis were, were much smarter, and they decided ABC, but if the rabbis today feel <clears throat> that the meaning of the Pasuk is XYZ, they have the right to debate, even though they're not of the same stature. As the Rambam says, Kifi mashnu the Ahmed Acharem, we're in number nine, the last paragraph, the third line. If another Bezdin gets up and says, they have reason to argue, they can argue in Paskin based on how they see. Because the Pasuk says you have to go to the judge, that will be in your days. That is all that, you're not chayef to follow except the Bezdin in your generation. That's what the Rambam says. Right, but yeah, 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 Bezdin right, 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 that's right, exactly. <clears throat> oh. So do you accept this last part? <clears throat> it's the rule. It's the law. No, no, I'm saying. So why do we keep two? Because before Rambam said. We know what it is. 
that the, so the Gemara says it's a custom to keep the, the old customs custom. in the family. But it's, it's, a, it's a custom that the rabbis obligated people to keep. Everybody does it, so it's a... Right. Well, it would be the third, it would be in the third category. Now that... Sorry? It says like putting up the fence. Correct. Now there happens to be... Well, there happens to be... I'll tell you. There's a debate between the Rambam and the Ramban. The Rambam holds even the third level of the oral law. When the Chachom come up with their own ideas, the Rambam holds it's backed up by a, a biblical prohibition of not straying from what the rabbis tell you. The Ramban disagrees. The Ramban mm-hmm. says, you know, if you don't light Hanukkah licht, you don't violate a biblical command. But the Rambam holds you do. It's a big debate, but that's leading to... A, <clears throat> all right, I have about 60 seconds before my voice completely crashes. So there was a great, great... You'll see how it all ties together beautifully. There was a great Litvisher rabbi who lived the end of his life in Eretz Yisrael. His name was Rebvelvel of Brisk. Rebvelvel Brisker. Yitzchak Zev. So Velvel is the Yiddish of Zev. He was also known as Itcher. He was the son of the famous Reb Chaim Soloveitchik, Reb Chaim Brisker. And Reb Velvel of Brisk is known as the Brisker Rav. He was a Rav in Brisk. And then during the Holocaust, he was actually in Warsaw. And the Friedrich Rebbe made sure he should get a good Esrik. And, and uh, then he went to Eretz Yisrael. And then when the Rebbe said his first Mimer, Bossi Lagani, the Brisker of Sort, and he said, Labavitch Rebbe thinks he's going to be Mashiach. <clears throat> he passed away a couple of years later. Yosef's brother. <clears throat> what? This is JB's brother. JB's uncle. J- JB had a father, Moshe, oh, right. who was He's a brother. Of the <clears throat> so, Revelvel of Risk says the following With the Rambam we saw in number nine, everything becomes very simple. The Torah says a Mayavi can't marry a regular Jew, even if they convert. How do you know that it excludes the women? There's two ways of going about it. One way is to expound the Pasuk. It's written in masculine form, so it excludes the women. Or the reason is that, the, that they didn't offer hospitality. Maybe you don't expect the women. It's going into expounding the Pasuk, the reading of the Pasuk, and the reason of the Pasuk. Once you're going into expounding, in one generation they could decide one way, and the next generation they can decide different, like the Rambam said. But once you quote, it goes back to Moses, there ain't no discussion anymore. She says like this, in number one, when Doig first said, David can't marry him. What did Avner say? Everybody knows the exit that, that we, we say the word Amoini, my obvious masculine, and we exclude the women. Everyone knows for generations, for generations we know that we expound the Pasuk men and not the women. Doig says, ah, you're expounding? That's I have my own ways to expound. And he challenged it. it and talked it to the point that Avner said, you're right. And the whole Sanhedrin, when yes, the brother-in-law came in, he said, I received from Shmuel. What does it mean to receive? It's not letting it expound. Receive, no, receive means that there's a tradition being passed upon. I mean, God told Moses on Mount Sinai that when it says Mitzri, it means the women as well, but not by Ammon and Moab. 
God told it to Moses, so the buck stops there. It's not, it's not subject to To change. That explains number one. Ah, he says, brilliant. That answers number two. When Boyas tells his uncle, Plenty of money, marry Rus. Boyas says, I am paskining now, and he got ten people. And they paskined, it's only the men, not the women. Why? Either they said because the masculine, it sounds like it's only masculine, or they said the reason of not offering hospitality doesn't apply to the women. They expounded the puzzle. So you know what Boyas' uncle said? Boyas, I trust you. For myself, I'm not worried. It's the kids. I trust you, you're the man. But in the future, I'm worried about my kids. What if later on a guy called Doig, for example, is going to come and turn the tables? Right. What if next generation will disagree with you? My kids won't be protected. I'm not worried about myself because I talk and rely on you. Question number three. <clears throat> when, when Yeser quotes from Shmuel, the Gemara attacks, yeah, you have a vested interest. How can we trust you? But when Boyas did it, Generations before, we didn't attack him. Why not? So he said, Reuven Margolis said, because when Boyas gave the Psak, it was before he, was, he had a, a bias. It was while he was still offering to his uncle. But the Chassam Soifer already gives an answer. He says, think about it. <clears throat> when can't you trust someone? If someone says, I have a tradition going back to Moses. None of you heard it, but I have it. What are we supposed to do? How, how could we... Uh, trust. <clears throat> You have to trust. So if the rabbi says it before he has a vested interest, you trust him, why not? But if it's after this pertains to him, you can't trust him. There's no way to verify. That's why when Yeser quoted, I have a tradition from Shmuel going back to Moses, and none of you heard of it, but we have it, the Gemara's like, well, how could you trust him? And the answer is because Shmuel's around the corner. He, you know, he wouldn't lie about that because it's verifiable. But the Chassam Sefer says, Boyaz wasn't quoting something back to Moses. Boyaz got his chachamim and they expounded the psukim. What are you going to say? Boyaz, you have a vested interest. You know what Boyaz would say? So argue with me. Prove that my exposition is we're having a, a rational argument over here. I'm not quoting you some, some, you know, some tradition no one's heard of. I'm reading the psukim and I'm, I will argue with you logically why I think it excludes women. You want to argue, argue. The Chassam Sefer says if you're giving a psak which is logical, then there's no problem if you have a vested interest. It's only if you quote something which is a tradition, then we're like, ah, boom. Boom, you have a tradition when it suits you. And as far as the fourth question, the Chavis Yori says, how does the Rambam know that Allah HaMashim is Sinai? It's very simple. You know how the Rambam knows? Because if it's not, the Rambam says the whole Gemara number one doesn't make any sense. If when Yesu quoted from Shmuel, it was just the same tradition that everybody knew, that we read the word Mayavi as masculine and not feminine, then the Rambam's like, how did that stop the situation? Why didn't Doyeg knock that off like he knocked it off when Avner said it? It must be that how did Yeser end the discussion? Because Shmuel was quoting a tradition from Moshe. That's how the Rambam knows it. And that's the answer to all four questions. Also, <clears throat> Zion. <clears throat> Said, yeah, hey, yeah, that was the so second. Yeah, we answered that. Yeah. So, so if he had, oh, if boy. He had directly from Shmuel yeah. Avi, and that was enough, you why did he need to come out of the sword? That's the thing. Well, that's the thing. The sword. Doig, be quick. Wait, 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 wait. Because Doig was stirring the pot. 
He still needed them. To when pay. Avner first came in, the whole Sanhedrin said, it's the men and not the women. Ten minutes later, they're all going with Doig. That's it. The whole family of David is what out. Age, what age <clears throat> did David... Uh, was David by Shaul? By Goliath's story, he was a kid, right? No, no, no. no. The whole Shaul was only king for two and a half years. So what age was David? 28, 27, so was, This is right 29. around the time when he was secretly... So uh, possible that that's why he said, who's this? who's his father? I mean... That's, that's when his mother came out and said, oh, no, it was really... Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> so you're saying it's okay for the women to marry 